Well, I know you've already been asked before, but not by me. What, uh, how are y'all doing today? Good? I mean, you don't have to lie. If you've had a crappy week, that's okay, too. It's a good place to be. Um, wow, it's been a pretty busy week around our house, but I'm not going to get into that so much, but... I mean, um, well, I, I, I said I wasn't going to get into it. I'm not. Okay. So, um, what's really been kind of burning on my heart? This thing is going to give me trouble in a minute. Oh, no, there it is. Um, is about our part of reading and understanding the scriptures. And I want everybody, I'll start off with this, because this is, this is not, <laughs> reading the scriptures is not the only way to find out about God, to find out about Christianity, to find out about, there are a number of things. Uh, in fact, if we read the scriptures and the Spirit of God does not give us any revelation, then we've just read some words. Uh, so it really is the Lord who reveals himself to us, and I am not have no intention of taking away from that. But I think one of the things that we need to be somewhat aware of is what is our part in that. And... Um, the thing that came to mind is, okay, well, let me say this. I was an undergraduate, college undergraduate in the 70s. I graduated from high school in 1970, so I started school, started college in 1970. So the, the early 70s, and I'll have to admit, into the middle 70s, somewhat into the late 70s, um, I, I, was, I was an undergraduate. And, and my major was English and a minor in history. Um, and at that time, the prevailing... Well, I don't know if this is true nationwide or worldwide, but the prevailing theory of literary criticism was called New Criticism, which really got started. Now, I'm just talking literature in general, English, you know, American and English literature. And it, just, and it got started, uh, I'm going to say, really took tr got traction about 1930. Um, but the whole idea behind that was, and, and again, this is how I was trained, is that you take a work, and this is especially true of poetry, but you take a work that you're trying to understand, and you do not look into who wrote it and what were the circumstances and what was going on. Because... We, I mean, the argument goes, and it's a pretty good argument a lot of times, is that we can't know what that poet, let's say, 
was trying to communicate what that poet thought, what that poet, you know. And it could be historian. It could be almost anything. But poet works a little better. Because the, the meaning of what, of what was being conveyed is could also, because also starting in, in the early, starting in the early, the modernist movement and all that, then poems were not so straightforward. You could read a poem and just go, wow, that's a beautiful bunch of words that I don't understand. Um, and so, you know, you need as much help as you can get in trying to understand what they're saying. So th there's a temptation to go and look up some background and try to find out, you know, what was driving this. Um, and there's a word for that, too. It's called historicism. And it, it's, you know, it works uh, to a degree. But there are some other areas, you know, where it doesn't work. And that's why new criticism came along. So, this isn't to be an English lesson. I'm just saying my bias came from my schooling. And so when I read the Bible, well, that's not the only reason, but when I read the Bible, I would tend to concentrate on the text because in New Criticism, the text is the only thing that matters. When I'm reading my Bible, or was reading, you know, under those, you know, with that influence, I'm really trying to take in the uh, what the words are saying and trying to hear God because he does speak to us through his word. The other thing is a tendency we have, and this is something that uh, that Liz and Jamie brought up at the, you know, how to read your Bible <laughs> kind of, uh, sessions they did at our house. Um, the The other thing is, is we tend to look at scripture, and when I say we, I mean, I'm going to say Protestant Christians who read their Bibles. Uh, we have a tendency to look at them like this is a collection of divine saying with spiritual power about how best to live our lives, to serve God, things like that. And, and, and that's, that's not wrong. The thing is, that's not the main point. All right? Now, I'm going to say some things that might you might disagree with, and I'm okay with that. You might be right. But I'm going to say that typically what is being conveyed in these things, if we understood them, then they that would we would get a different message from them. And there are a lot of scriptures that we use and again, I'm, I, I can't say we're not right to do it, but it's not what was intended when it was written. Now that's, you know, if you're reading literature, 
or if you're reading a letter or anything like that, you want to you want to understand what the writer of the letter or you know was saying to you. So the best thing to do is try to understand as much as you can about the circumstances and then put that into the con you know put the letter into that context um, and we don't do that we typically don't do that we we take okay we take passages verses now there are parts of the Bible that are written in verse form, about a third of the Bible. And it actually literally does have verses. Um, but when the Bible was written, when these Old Testament historical books were written, when the other things were written, we get into the New Testament, and we have essentially there, you know, history, uh, letters, and um, a big cataclysmic prophetic book at the end that is very reminiscent of what went on in the Old Testament. The book of Revelation is really a lot like some Old Testament prophecies. <coughs> now, <coughs> the, what I would not have done in college and, and what I have had to learn to kind of ignore is the idea that, <clears throat> that the text itself is going to, you know, tell me what I need to know. The text, that's, that's, those are words. And they're not even in the original language. They're just English words. However, if God breathes life into them and sends a message by them, they don't even have to be in context. I mean, they're just, it's, it's prophetic. But what I'm talking about is how do we read the scriptures to try to understand the best way we can what is what was being said by the author to whomever it was addressed to. Because indirectly, we could certainly believe that the whole book was written for us. But it was not initially written for us. So, how do we do that? Um, and it doesn't help that everything in the Bible is broken up into chapters and verses because those were not there. And there's a lot of stuff about numbers in the Old Testament and numbers correlating in, with Hebrew alphabet. That's not really what I'm talking about, but... The idea of, of them being numbered and being organized and all that, you know, there are a lot of times they were. So, but rather than get into all that, I'm going to focus right now on 
<clears throat> the New Testament. And we don't know the exact date of all the books of the New Testament. We don't even know the exact writers of all of them. We have pretty good theories, but, you know, there's no real definite proof or anything. So, one thing that's enlightening is to go look and see the order in which they were written. All right? Not the chronological order of the events, but the order in which they were, uh, they were written. And there are clues as to what those are. Uh, now, there, and again, there's, there's debate over this stuff, but it's pretty well agreed that of all of the New Testament books, the first one written was James. Before, well, now, it could be before, or it could be, well, it's, it's before the, it, it is before the Gospels. All right, so there's a, there's a range there of about four or five years that it could have been written in. But it's very likely the oldest book in the New Testament. And, you know, you think, wow, you'd think they'd tell the story of the Gospel and everything. But when you have a, a, a letter that's written somewhere around uh, before 50 A.D., then, okay, how old was Jesus when he died? 33. That's, again, we're dealing with, yeah, and I, mean, I know it's not like they don't, no, but we, we've changed the calendar a couple of times since then. So, the, but consider that. 33 is close enough. Well, I mean, if he died in 33, and the earliest date for James is 44, that's 11 years. You know, and I mean, and, and it might have been as late as 49 but this, there was no real reason to write a history yet. Most of these people were still around. And that's going to be true for a lot of the time that the New Testament was being written. It's when the gospel began to spread and there were a lot of people who didn't know. And they wanted to have a recounting of that. Now, next, maybe Galatians, maybe not. Now, Galatians was written uh, by Paul. And again, it could have been written 10 years later. That's when his other, a lot of the other epistles were, were, were written, when he was captive in Rome. But... <clears throat> In any case, I'm just going to kind of skip that one right now because, again, there's more contention about that. What's next? Matthew and Mark. So when it gets around 
50 to 60 A.D., people are, and the gospel is spreading. So they start thinking, well, we need to make sure we retain this story. And we need people who were there with them to do it. And I could go on down, and I'll just give you the order here. Um, First Thessalonians, and they're pretty sure it was written in, in 51, A.D. 51. Second Thessalonians, A.D. 51 to 52, and those were written by Paul. First Corinthians, oh, by the way, the Thessalonians was written from Corinth, and then there's Corinthians, which was 55, First Corinthians, and the first letter was written from Ephesus, and the second Corinthians, 55 or 56, was written from Macedonia. Um, Romans, uh, A.D. 56, was written from Corinth. Now, I know I'm giving you names and dates. My, the main point of this, though, is that um, well, let me just run on down here. We, let's just do this. Then we have Luke, which is 60 or 61 A.D. And then we have this kind of brace of uh, letters written by Paul. Ephesians, Philippians, right? Philemon, Colossians. That was written during his first imprisonment. And, and we're, we're going to talk about imprisonment in, uh, in a minute because it's, there's a, we get an image about what imprisonment is and it could be really, really terrible or it could be not so bad. The book of Acts, A.D. 62, 1 Timothy, A.D. 62 to 64, Titus, A.D. 62 to 64. Those were written um, after Paul's first imprisonment, before his second imprisonment. First uh, Peter, 64, 65, that wasn't written by Paul. That was written by Peter. Uh, and then we have Second uh, Timothy, which was uh, written by Paul during his second. Then we have Peter. Then we have Hebrews. We don't know if, if Paul wrote Hebrews or not. You know, there's pretty good debate about that. It's kind of 50-50. Um, Jude... No, notice we're getting into arrest. Jude was written 68 to 70. And John, the Gospel of John, was written 80 or 90, somewhere in that range. So that's, that's on down the road a little bit. And then we have the epistles of John, uh, 1, 2, and 3, and they were written between... A.D. 90 and A.D. 95. And finally, we have the last book, which is the last book written, and that's Revelation, which was 95 to 96. Now, overall, 
we're talking about a range of let's take the earliest possible date for James, 44, and the latest possible date for Revelation, 96. Who's good at math? 52 years. So, now again, that's taking the outside edges. So let's, you know, let's just say around 50 years. So that's, um, and what is going on during that 50 years? When we look at the beginning of this, and let's just start with around A.D. 50 when the first couple of Gospels are written. What's going on? Do we know what's going on? Assuredly. Now, that's, okay, that's not an indictment of you, your intelligence, Bible study skills, or anything else, because, you know, uh, I unless you study the history of ancient, you know, of Israel and of the, the Caesars and the Roman Empire, it's kind of hard to know. But, I don't know, it might be a good thing to know. We do know some things. Um, what? Go ahead. Yeah, there was, I mean, and, and again, this was, this movement started out in Jerusalem and then moved to Antioch. And they moved to Antioch because of just pressure. And they, you know, they needed a little more freedom to, to do certain things. Now, I'm not saying I know the answers to all these things. And my, my minor was history, but we didn't spend a lot of time, you know, dwelling on first century Israel or anything. But, you know, there were things that, were, you know, somewhere in there, Jerusalem got burned to the ground. You know, during the first century. I mean, what else happened during the first century in that part of the world? I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah, the Romans. And the Romans, yeah, that's another thing, too, how the Romans ruled. Um, if you understand how the Romans ruled, and the Romans were pretty successful at ruling. I mean, it's one thing to conquer something, but if you can't rule it, then, you know, you have no empire. Um, and they had a generally successful empire, and one way you do that is is that you have a, a strong military component, and then when you go in and you take a place, then you... As much as you can, you let them rule it, as long as they don't violate your chief or uh, prime directives. I'll put it that way. They didn't use that term back then, but I don't think they did, unless it was. 
Well, if you if you if you stepped outside the line, it was spoken all right. Yeah, you got the message pretty clearly. But I mean, again, I'm not saying we have to understand the context under which everything is written, but we can certainly misunderstand things that are written if we don't know the context. So, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to go into things like, behold, I stand at the door and knock, which is beautiful, only it's not written how we use it. And I'm not going to say you can't do that. It's been extremely fruitful. So I'm not, it's not my job to police this. I'm just saying it would also be a good idea to know what that, really what that means. Y'all know what I mean, right? From Revelation, you know, did I, have y'all ever done that? Had one of those things where you had a little tract or something and then witnessed the... What now? Yeah, the Romans Road. I had a chance to see one. Uh, I've heard about it for years, but uh, somebody gave my son one about three days ago. And uh, uh, he already had one, and so uh, I looked at it. But in any case, a lot of the times, the things that we use these for are not what they meant. <clears throat> um, so, I want to, like, point out, let's, let's say, okay, prison. Um, Paul was imprisoned twice but his first imprisonment now you have to remember Paul was a Roman citizen he was Jewish he was a Christian and he was a Roman he wasn't born in Rome he was born in yeah I was trying I mean it's in Turkey you know I'm trying to I'm trying to get if there's one thing I found teaching, it's that the weakest subject in everybody's, you know, ev with everybody is geography. So, uh, anyway. So, but anyway, he's a Roman citizen. So, he's appealed his case to the emperor which is his prerogative. The only problem with that is a very lengthy process. You know, it's not like that, you know, the emperor's sitting there saying, you know, next, next, next. I mean, he, you know, he's got to hang around till it's a good time. And, uh, and, and I mean, it's not up to him, but um, so he's, his type of imprisonment was, um, and there is one, there's at least one scripture that says that he had a, uh, 
he had a soldier, a centurion, who was responsible for him and that he, um, oh my gosh, it's a little, little less severe. <laughs> It, it was like home. It was like uh, what's the term they have for it when they uh, then he's not free. He can't just leave. He's he's yeah. It's more like house arrest. Yeah, it's very much like house arrest. Well, he's yeah. He's uh, <laughs> if he leaves, he's left the program. All right. Um, well, he's there, you know, he's there to, to see the emperor and to plead his case. As a Roman citizen, he has that right. Now, while he's there, he doesn't have contact with direct contact with these churches he's established. He's already made three what they call missionary voyages, because they're not a missionary trip. He didn't just go to Corinth and come back or anything. He's been around. First one was shorter distance-wise. Second and third, he spent years. That's what he did. He spread Christianity through, essentially, the Greek world. And... So, what he's doing is he is trying to, okay, these letters, first of all, as I've already mentioned, were not written to us, okay? Now, we can certainly gain something from them. I mean, in fact, they were in the divine plan written for us, but... They were initially written to, you know, dear so-and-so. Well, they were written to so-and-so. And uh, so he starts writing. <coughs> he has people there with him. I mean, that's mentioned several times in these letters. And they can travel and, and deliver the letters. And they are, um, and there are, uh, are there are a couple of accounts that at least hint at, and I think it's a little more than a hint that some of the guards and so forth have have become Christians. So he is. Um, it's not like he's in a dungeon. It's not even like he's in the county jail. He's in a rented house, and he has a guard, and he just has to, you know, be there because he's not being punished. He's being, you know, constrained, or they have to keep, keep an eye on him, right? That's all. They just have to know where he is, and he'll have to be available. <coughs> now... While he's doing this, he writes these letters. So all of these letters were written during his time of imprisonment. 
And that was from 60 to 62 A.D. Um, and I don't know, these are, he writes Ephesians, which we've talked about a lot here, or we have in the past. I think last week, didn't you use Ephesians? Yeah. Pretty sure. Uh, Philippians, Philemon, Colossians, and, you know, and maybe even, you know, Galatians, although that's, you know, disputed. Um, <clears throat> so, why is he writing those letters? Okay, let's take, you know, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I mean, what's, what, what, what is the purpose of those? I mean, they're not the same purpose, but what is, you know, let's take uh, Ephesians. What's the main purpose? Um, well, let me say, I mean, it depends on the epistle. Like, when he wrote the first letter to the Corinthians, there was, uh, you could tell, he was, he was having to prove his authority and he was having to correct them in how they were doing church. <coughs> Excuse me. And the problem, one of the problems they're having is they're in Corinth. And Corinth is a, is a you know, a very popular and very multicultural center of trade. It's right there, you know, between the two main parts of, you know, geographically between the two main parts of Greece. And it's just a little isthmus there. So, yeah, he's got to get them straightened out. And the second letter to them is more or less like uh, um, you did well. Now just remember um, what authority I have and, and so forth. But I don't know. Take a book. What, what's, its, what's its purpose? And I'm really not trying to put you on the spot because, you know, if I, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, let me just say this, too, because a lot of books are sort of divided in the sense of half of the book will be about um, how to do stuff and the other book, other half of the book about you know, for what purpose and so forth. So I'm not saying, really, this is what I'm trying to say. When you read a book, try to get some idea of why it was written. I mean, just try to get some idea of what is it 
that Paul was dealing with. Now, he, Paul's not the only letter writer here, but I'm, I'm picking on him today, all right? Why, why did Paul write this letter? I mean, there were some he didn't really get onto at all. He was just saying, you guys are doing great. Just remember to do this and this, and let me encourage you to do so-and-so. And, you know. So you can't, you know, there, there's not a set pattern, but he is for all of those churches because he's not going to see them for a little while. He has um, let me take a look at that. He's trying to just to lay down some this is, remember how to do church. This is how we do church. This is how we treat poor people. This is how we treat you know foreigners. This is how we treat and and uh, you know this is how we handle. Um, authority. This is, you know, all these sort of things. So, if we get in the course of reading one of these, if we get a message from God through the scripture, the fact that we know what its initial purpose was does not keep us from getting that message. Right? I mean, uh, well, let's take car tags. That's been a, a big issue. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were not issued so that God would be able to speak to our pastor. <laughs> and, not, and not just our pastor, but I know one time he, he had a, a car tag on a rental car that Jen had while... Her car was in the shop, and you know, we both were just marveling at it, and I don't even remember all the stuff about it, the whole story, but it wasn't just Jim. But that's not the main point, but did that keep us from getting the, you know, getting the message from God? And it all, you know, all it, the net result is is that people think you're crazy. Well, that's okay, right? I mean, you know, and some people don't. Some people think it's fascinating. So, from, and I, you know, I, I don't want to belabor this, I, which I, it's probably too late for that. But um, if we look at the New Testament, and of course we get into the Old Testament, there's a, a, bit, a whole world there. But when we look at the New Testament, what we have is we have history. We have the Gospels. We have the Book of Acts. We have letters. We have lots of letters. And then we have a prophetic vision at the end. So we have past, ongoing, present, future. And uh, all in the space of, uh, what, 50 years? So that, now if we study the Old Testament, that's another, you know, the, the, the cool thing about all of this big Bible 
And by the way, the Old Testament is just not the old boring part that they make you real, you know, whatever. You know. The Old Testament is 90% of the story. It's just that in the New Testament, the story comes to its, you know, climax. But it's one story. Okay? It's one story. From creation to new heaven and new earth. It's one story. And it's not a bad idea to know that story. But in the New Testament, and we're only dealing with you know, half a century, um, and <laughs> that's not long. Then I would recommend that you, first of all, understand you don't have to become a history nerd about this, but just read a Wikipedia article or something about, you know, Israel in the under the Roman occupation or something. Um, and then when you start to read a book, then read, first of all, who wrote it, under what circumstances. I mean, just find out how, how you would do it. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I know that you're not doing, I don't know, you might be, but you're not doing book reports, are you? Anybody doing book reports? No? Okay. So, I'm not trying to run in, run in a book report on you, but if you would approach it like, I want to understand where this is coming from. I want to understand what the circumstances were and what was the problem or what were the needs or what was the concern being addressed. And then, you know, read that book. Um, make your own notes. And if you feel like God has spoken to you through a verse, Underline it or write it in your journal or something. You never know. So, I know this wasn't very spiritual in the sense of, I don't think I mentioned one encounter, did I? Did I? Sorry. Um, but, <laughs> but honestly, that's a good point because... We had we had a pretty powerful encounter beforehand <laughs> with the worship. That was really great. That was really great. So let me just leave you with this. When you're going to read something in the New Testament, especially if you're going to read a whole book, and you know, generally speaking, they're kind of short, especially these epistles, then do a little background study. You know, you might you might be surprised what you run across. Let's pray. Lord, you know our needs. 
And right now, while we're gathered together, it's a good time to get a met. So I ask you just to remain with us and, and meet us here and meet those needs. And then, you know, instead of having stories about encounters, we could have encounters. So with all this, Lord, we, we lift our hearts and our hands and our hopes up to you. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.